At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air and at VSIN Live. The latest news in the NFL is that the Deshaun Watson saga is still ongoing. We thought we closed the book on this when the independent arbiter, Judge Sue Robinson, ruled that Deshaun Watson would be suspended for six games. And we started breaking down this first six games of the Browns' schedule, and they're favored in five of the six. And so you start to look at the Browns and how they're going to handle life without Deshaun for the first six weeks and Watson able to return to practice after four weeks. And so he'd get accustomed to the system and he's going to play in the preseason and maybe the Browns can make the playoffs. And we started going through the rest of the schedule and all of that good stuff. Well, we can just throw it out the window. The NFL has decided to appeal Judge Robinson's decision. At first, I thought there was no way the NFL was going to appeal this because this was the system that they put in place. There were so many issues in the past with the way that the NFL handled discipline with Roger Goodell being judge, jury, and executioner. And under the new CBA, they agreed to this process that all disciplinary issues will be handled by an independent disciplinary officer that was jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA. That independent arbiter was Judge Sue L. Robinson. I felt that the NFL was not going to undermine this process. Whatever she decided, they were going to accept. Because... They don't come off as the good guy or bad guy here. They don't come off as being too strict or too lenient. It's out of their hands. This is the process. The independent disciplinary officer is the one that makes the ruling. And based on only the four cases, not 24, only the four cases that Judge Robinson was reviewing, she decided Watson should be suspended for six games. It's a suspension that is 
similar to suspensions in the past. And I felt the NFL was not going to have an issue with it. They could publicly say that they wanted more. They could publicly say that they felt she should have ruled on more games. But they could also publicly say that, you know what? This is the process. We are, you know, are following it and we accept her decision. Well, that's not what happened here. The NFL had a couple of days to decide and they have decided that they are going to appeal the suspension and not just appeal the suspension and say, hey, it's got to be more than six games, but appeal the suspension and look for a bunch more than six games. They want a full year. They want a monetary fine. They want Watson to undergo counseling. I mean, they're shooting for an indefinite suspension here. And the issue now is that the process goes from the independent disciplinary officer now back to the NFL. And so Roger Goodell has to decide whether he is going to make a decision on this case or if he's going to appoint somebody else to make a decision on this case. But either way, the decision's going to come down and it's going to be more than six games. So then what does Deshaun Watson and the NFLPA do? Well, they're going to sue the NFL. And I don't know if that means that Watson could play in week one if there's a stay of execution, or if this this whole process, this saga just never ends. And it, it, it goes on further and further and further. The more I started thinking about the NFL here and the reasons why they appealed this, I started to come to the conclusion that this is the NFL's way of saving face. That this is not about raising a suspension from six to eight games. This isn't, or 10 or whatever it is. This is not about adding any monetary fine to the suspension or making sure that Watson undergoes counseling. This is about the NFL putting it out there that they are against everything that was alleged in all of these cases. That the NFL stands strong against sexual misconduct. And six games, not enough. Because the NFL has a no-tolerance policy for any misbehavior. And by appealing the suspension, it's a PR move for the league. Because now they look great in the eyes of every person that went on social media and that went on television, that went on the radio, and was disgusted by the fact that it was only six games for Deshaun Watson. Now the NFL looks good in their eyes. And so you have to start to now think, realistically, how many games is Deshaun Watson going to play this year? Could this 
be a, a compromise situation because both sides tried to settle and they weren't able to. But maybe now by appealing this and opening it up or reopening it up, both sides come back to each other and say, all right, let's get this over with. How many games is it going to take? What I think, it's not going to be a minimum of one year. What I think is that it will increase from six games to eight games. Maybe ten games. The NFL wants a full year. They wanted maybe 12 at a minimum. Watson's camp from all the reports prior to the decision when we heard that both sides were maybe seeking a settlement would accept, you know, six to eight games, something like that. So why don't we split the difference and we call it 10 games? Or we call it eight games, you hand him a monetary fine and treatment that he must undergo. I think that's the compromise there. But is the idea that Watson could miss the entire season starting to become a reality? And I think you have to reopen that possibility. I think you have to now think about the full, not not the six games, and how they're favored in five of the six games, I think you have to start to consider that, you know what? Watson's going to miss more than six games. And if it's Jacoby Brissett for that extended period of time, now you reevaluate your stance on the Cleveland Browns. And as we felt maybe prior to this appeal that, Okay, if he's out six games, the Browns can still be a playoff team. They can still win enough games. I don't know if that's the case anymore. And you look at their odds to win the division, and you start to think that, eh, you know what? Where it was possible before, I don't think it's possible anymore. And the odds increase. You look at the games now that they're going to be playing in week one against the Panthers where the the spread was minus one in favor of the Browns. That's not going to change. All the games are not going to change. Maybe the games after the six weeks are going to change, but we don't know. We don't know if Watson is going to be playing in that seventh game of the season. If I had to make a wager right now, I would say he is out more than six weeks. That's what I think is going to happen here. But I'm so curious, and I talked about it yesterday, and I said it at the beginning of the segment. I'm so curious what happens after he files a countersuit, after Watson and the NFLPA sue the NFL. From that moment... Is he eligible to play? Or does Roger Goodell have to put him on the exempt list and 
he's not eligible to play. You know, I go back to the Ezekiel Elliott case in 2017 where he played while his case was being adjudicated and his suspension kicked in in November. Is that going to be the case here for Deshaun Watson? It's fascinating, but the the fact that this won't go away, I I find it rather annoying, (laughs) to be honest with you. I wish they would just accept the six games and we'd all move on. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Coming up next, we'll talk more football with our very own Mike Pritchard here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and lasting change on your terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change, but just wasn't ready yet. For sure, a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't just one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor, at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us to talk a little more football is our very own first-round pick, he is former NFL wide receiver Mike Pritchard, who you see every day here on Betting Across America on VSIN. And Pritch, uh, this whole saga with Deshaun Watson not going away, I was a little surprised that the NFL appealed. I thought they would just want to say, and you know, go by the process and accept it because this was the first year of this new process and they didn't want to maybe undermine it, undermine it, but... What was your opinion on the NFL appealing the Watson suspension here today? You know, I'm not shocked at all, Scott, to be honest with you. I mean, I think uh, the NFL has always been a reactionary entity. Uh, In other words, uh, if there's enough heat out there, if there's enough ridicule out there, uh, they're going to react in an aggressive manner. So 
it was collectively bargained between the NFL and the Players Association that Roger Goodell could uh, appeal any type of discipline that's handed down by the independent arbitrator that way. And uh, they're exercising that that portion of the CBA, you know. And uh, I don't think Deshaun Watson anticipated this happening. Uh, but there's so much information that's emerging from this too, Scott, in terms of uh, after the, the, the investigation. I mean, they, they actually had weeks in terms of trying to come to some type of settlement prior to the ruling. Uh, and I guess the NFL had offered, what, 12-game suspension and a hefty fine, and uh, certainly Deshaun Watson turned that down. So uh, here you go. Uh, you had the six-game suspension. Now the NFL wants to appeal it, certainly looking for something more aggressive, more harsh, uh, in, in accordance to how the public reaction has been towards their league. Do you think that there'll be a compromise and maybe we'll see an eight or 10 game suspension along with a fine and going through the treatment program that the NFL wants to him to go through? I mean, it's possible because you have the Sean Watson side wanting to sue uh, in federal court and air dirty laundry. Mm. Uh, and we know that there's dirty laundry with NFL owners. I mean, just <laughs> Robert Kraft in Florida, I mean, you got Jerry Jones, and you got uh, Daniel Snyder. So um, I, I, I think there's room for a compromise. Uh, I think the NFL, because the NFL is a growth entity, right? I mean, they, they want to grow their, their business, uh, certainly to the tune of $25 billion annually. They're going global. They partnered up with the sports betting industry. Uh, everything is going great for the NFL. So from a PR standpoint, they want to show that they're tough on their players, the players that kind of get out of line or, or, you know, violate the conduct policy. And, uh, they, they want to set a precedent that way. So they're sending a message. That's for sure. Uh, but I, yeah, I think there's room for compromise, but you never know in these situations. I mean, a lot of times, uh, you think there'll be something swift and quick, but, uh, this could be dragged out. Let's move on to the NFL preseason, which, uh, believe it or not, begins tomorrow, Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game, the Raiders and the Jaguars. Uh, Not going to expect to see much. We know no starters are going to be playing, and it'll probably be low scoring, right? The Hall of Fame game is always low scoring. But what are you looking for early on here in the NFL preseason when you're evaluating these teams and these players? You know, it depends on the situation. You look at the Raiders, they made the playoffs last year, but they got a whole new coaching staff. And uh, I think the standard that the Raiders have set themselves in a locker room is still there. They still have uh, a number of guys that understand that. Uh, But they do have a lot of new faces, too. And and I think Josh McDaniels, uh, who's trying to create a certain culture and expectations in his own standard, uh, he's going to push those guys, you know, the younger guys, for sure. And yeah, guys that get another opportunity to make the team, too. So I think it'll be competitive. I don't think it's going to be highly vanilla because on the other side, too, you have Peterson is trying to do the same thing out there in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, you think about their Urban Meyer experiment that failed miserably. Uh, they're looking to set their own and create their own standard. I know starters won't be in there, but I think the youngsters that are in there will be highly competitive. Well, speaking of Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, uh, I talked about this before, Pritch. I, I want to back them and bet on them in the preseason because I look at Doug Peterson and what he's trying to do there. He's trying to change the culture. And I think he wants to get those players used to winning. And I can see the Jaguars going out there and actually putting more of an effort out in the preseason than some of these other teams. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you have some guys, um, whether or not they, they've had experience. I mean, C.J. Beathard is a backup quarterback out there. Uh, Kyle Sloter, I mean, he's been around a little bit. And, you know, these are some quarterbacks out there that are trying to create their own path and create a career, and they want to put out good tape. Uh, and, and I think that's something betters need to understand is, is when these young players get an opportunity, it is for their future. You know, the coaches will explain that to them. Yeah, you might not make it here, but somebody's going to be watching you somewhere. And we know it's a 100% injury business. And so if you put out good tape, you know, you never know what could happen. And, and from a competitive standpoint, I think we'll see that. It's just a matter of, will the play calling uh, be representative of, of giving those opportunities for the guys to make a lot of plays out there. And you would expect defenses are always ahead of the offenses here in the preseason, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, the contact is down. Uh, I, you know, a few years ago when the offenses had changed in the National Football League, I think defenses were behind. But now defenses are catching up to the RPO, uh, the cross motion, the cross block action at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I expect the defenses to be ahead a little bit as well. All right, take me into the minds of, of players and, and coaches throughout the league. What's your take on fights during training camp? Rich? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, your, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's your take on fights during training camp? <laughs> um, no room for it, man. Uh, no <laughs> room for fight at all. I mean, think about it, Scott. Think about it. You, you have pads on, you have a helmet on, and you can physically hit somebody as hard as you can uh, after the ball is snapped, right? So what's the point of even throwing a punch? I mean, somebody's just going to get hurt with their hand, they're going to break their hand or something like that. But no, it's also cheating too. I mean, you do not want to get in that habit where you're creating a penalty situation that can hurt your team, mm. but rest assured, right? If I think somebody's crossed the line, then I know I can get retribution, man. I know I can unload on that person as hard as I need to unload on him. Uh, if I, if I need to get some type of revenge right there. So there's no room for fighting, uh, at all, practice or even certainly in the game. Yeah, you know, some old school coaches though would like they like the intensity. You know, they like uh, they like these guys uh, that show a little fight in them. But you're right, like it's they really it really is dumb football fights because of all the pants yeah. that you wear and everything. And uh, I think I saw <laughs> right. that um, Dennis Allen had to throw a player out for fighting in consecutive practices with the Saints. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you do have to you do have to control your players and make sure that they understand that come regular season time you know these are penalties that you're going to be costing your team. Uh, is there a right. team out there that you are kind of uh, intrigued by early on here in the training camp process? Somebody that's maybe not not a favorite and maybe not a super long shot, but a team that is really really you're curious about the Saints. I, I am curious about the Saints. I, I'm wondering why Pennington is fighting down there because obviously that defense, I, I think that defense is nasty, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dennis Allen is going to really have a certain presence as a head coach now with that defense. I'm intrigued by them, Jameis, too. Uh, Detroit, Detroit's kind of piquing my interest a little bit, too, from a gambling standpoint, from a betting standpoint, uh, whether or not they're going to be involved with some teaser situations that I'm looking at, too, for the season. Uh, and then the Rams. I'm keeping an eye on the Rams because of Stafford and the pain in that throwing elbow or arm. Uh, I played with Bobby Bear, and I know that he had that similar situation his last year out there in Atlanta. 
and he was in a lot of pain. So I'm curious to see how they manage Matthew Stafford the entire season out there in L.A. Mm, that's going to be interesting. Uh, didn't think about that, but I'm very curious as well now. Pritch, appreciate the time and the insight as always, and look forward to catching up with you throughout the preseason. Absolutely, Scott. My pleasure, man. Yeah, Every night. Thank you. There he is, former uh, NFL wide receiver, first-round pick, Mike Pritchard, our very own host of Betting Across America here on VSIN. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. You know, there are a lot of intriguing storylines and things to keep an eye on as we kick off the NFL preseason and training camp reports are coming out. You want to keep an eye on what's happening with these teams throughout the league. Talk a little bit about that coming up next, right here on the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. And looking around the NFL training camp, it's interesting to see some of the stories that are coming out. And uh, from a local perspective, as we talked about the city casting, what you should be doing as we're preparing for um, the NFL season is especially, you know, if you're focused in on fantasy or really betting the NFL is you got to know what's going on with these teams. And I recommend following the local beat reporters and trying to see any reports that are coming out of training camp and things that could affect these teams going into the season. Uh, some of the things that I'm intrigued by are position battles that maybe we don't think are position battles, but could become position battles. Now, the quarterback's the most important position in the NFL. We know that. And I think everyone kind of expects Baker Mayfield to be the guy in Carolina, but could it be Sam Darnold? I think it's going to be interesting to see if, in fact, Darnold gets a shot to win the starting job. Or if they say it's going to be an open competition, but really Baker's the guy who's going to be getting the first-team reps and Baker's the guy who's going to start when the season starts. Um, Yeah, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, I do think that um, Matt Rule's on the hot seat this year, and if things don't work out, well, they could be headed to towards a new direction once again. I mean, the, the, you don't get as much time in the NFL now as you used to to develop your team. So very curious to see what happens with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. I, much like everyone else, expect Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback in week one against the Cleveland Browns. In Seattle, Drew Locke came to the team as a part of the Russell Wilson trade. And the, I, the, the, the consensus 
when people talk about Seattle and how non-competitive they're going to be this season, let's just call for what it is, uh, everyone mentions Drew Locke. But Geno Smith is getting more of the first-team reps right now, and he's the, the, the guy you want to call him the incumbent, whatever. He was, he's the guy who's been there. And if it's Geno as the starting quarterback, you know, how bad are the Seahawks going to be? I think they're going to be bad regardless, but I think it's very uh, intriguing to see if um, Geno winds up being the starter or, hear me out, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a big question mark that these teams are waiting on, maybe. Because if the 49ers can't trade Jimmy Garoppolo, what if they just release him? What if there's you know a team like the um, 49, uh, the Seahawks who can pick the guy up? That is certainly uh, intriguing, right? The other quarterback that it's it's I've been very high on actually going into this season. I've talked about him in the awards market. I've talked about this team as a potential long shot play. But the reports out of training camp have not been great. Now, I know it's the first couple of weeks of training camp, right? I mean, what do we expect from these teams? And they haven't even played a preseason game yet. But is there a possibility that Daniel Jones is not the quarterback of the Giants this season? Brian Dable comes in. He's got a guy in Jones that has a very, you know, a similar skill set to what Josh Allen does. I mean, Jones is is athletic and can absolutely run the football. But the reports out of training camp haven't been good. And because Dable is the first-year head coach, he's not exactly married to any one particular player. It's not like he came in and drafted Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is the backup. Never played for Dable in Buffalo, but could Taylor be an option to start for the Giants if they view Daniel Jones as not the guy? And keep in mind, they did not pick up his fifth-year option. So Daniel Jones, they don't know, right now at least, if he is their long-term option at quarterback or their long-term solution at quarterback. He turns the ball over a lot. He had 20 fumbles since 2019. So ball security is a big topic of conversation with Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. Could there be a quarterback change in New York? I don't think so. I think if I was putting my money on it, it would be Daniel Jones to be the starter. But what if it's Tyrod Taylor? And does it change your opinion on the New York Giants? I don't 
think it does, but I think the Giants, either way, third place in the NFC East. Maybe they make some noise. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys made a move here. They signed veteran linebacker Anthony Barr to a one-year deal. Um, You know, their defense looking pretty good like it was last year with Michael Parsons and um, Leighton Vander Esch, other linebacker there. Um, You know, Barr was a uh, beast for the Minnesota Vikings throughout his career. But the Cowboys... You know, this injury to James Washington, I think, affects them more than people think. You lose, look at the wide receiving depth now on the Dallas Cowboys. With Washington out, C.D. Lamb's your number one wide receiver, and he's as talented as they come. But your number two wide receiver is who? I mean, Michael Gallup's out. So, I mean, eventually when he comes back, you'll have... uh, Lamb and Gallup, but if it's if Gallup's out and James Washington's out, it's C.D. Lamb and who else? Next guy on the list is Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert, a third round pick this year. That's who the Dallas Cowboys have. Other wide receivers, Noah Brown. Okay, Noah Brown's stats is uh, in four years with the Cowboys, he's got 39 catches. Okay, it's a good uh, good career there with the Cowboys. Mm, who else? Dennis Houston. Dennis Houston is a rookie. Um, anybody else? I mean, they're going to have to go sign a veteran wide receiver or something because they don't have anybody behind C.D. Lamb that the defense is going to have to worry about at all. Now, maybe they get creative and and, uh, run more sets with their tight end, Dalton Schultz, and um, have both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard on the field at the same time. But... um, I don't know. An interesting name is, if you want to talk about rookies, Ty Freifogel um, is a rookie on the Cowboys. He was very good at Indiana. He was a guy that I liked a lot at Indiana. Maybe he makes some noise early on. But I think the Cowboys, with the loss of both Gallup and Washington, this is, you know, they let Amari Cooper, he went, pieced out. They got rid of him to the Cleveland Browns. Dallas can be in a little bit of trouble here, offensively speaking. You know, and, and and because of that, I'm down on the Cowboys. I'm down on Dak Prescott. I might look for some unders on Dak Prescott, passing yards, passing touchdowns, things like that. And uh maybe even maybe even some unders on the Cowboys and their win totals. Uh and obviously I don't think that the Cowboys win the division. Plus one thirty five to win the division right now. Eagles plus one sixty five to win. The division. We'll get into play more NFL coming up a little later on in the program. Simon Hunter from the Action Network will join me uh, on the program. We're going to talk to him about uh, some of his NFL plays and what he thinks going into the NFL preseason. But the San Diego Padres unveiled their new lineup. How did it do here on Wednesday? 
We'll get to that coming up next right here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up for VSIN All Access today and get Everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at vcin.com slash subscribe. We're going to talk to Adam Kramer from uh, the college football betting guide coming up a little later on here on The Look Ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. San Diego Padres unveiled their new lineup on Wednesday evening against the Rockies. And through the first uh, couple of batters, it looked pretty good. So the lineup featured uh, Eurickson Profar leading off, Juan Soto batting second, Manny Machado third, Josh Bell batted cleanup, Jake Cronenworth, Brandon Drury, Jorge Alfaro, Trent Grisham, and Hasso Kim. As the shortstop. That was the lineup. The first inning against Chad Cool and the Rockies went as followed. Eurickson Profar fouled out to third. Juan Soto then walked. Manny Machado then doubled. Josh Bell then walked. Jake Cronenworth was hit by a pitch. one nothing Padres. And then Brandon Drury hit a grand slam. <laughs> Five nothing Padres after the first, what? Six batters batted for them, and three of those batters were the new additions to the team, and all three got on base. Soto with a walk, Bell with a walk, and Drury with the grand slam. Padres beat the Rockies 9-1, finished off a sweep, as uh, the Padres have now uh, won five straight games, seven of their last ten. They're still... 11 and a half games behind the Dodgers because the Dodgers have won four straight, but Padres have won five straight games, and this new lineup is as scary as advertised. 
that is the longest win streak currently in Major League Baseball. Five games with the team that they are chasing. Yes, the Dodgers having the second longest winning streak in baseball at four games. Uh, the Mariners won two straight against the Yankees, and this game earlier here on Wednesday was a beatdown, 7-3, to three, as the Mariners scored six runs in the top of the first inning against Yankees ace Garrett Cole. Three home runs in the first inning. Garrett Cole is the second pitcher in the modern era, which is since 1900, to allow at least three home runs in the first inning of a game multiple times in the same season. He did it earlier this year on June 9th against the Minnesota Twins. So let's go back to that June 9th game for Garrett Cole against the Twins. And let's see, June 9th, because I have... Oh, the Yankees actually came back and won that game. Go figure. Garrett Cole allowed five home runs in that game. Five home runs in that game. Let's see. Oh, Trevino was the catcher in that game, which is amazing. The reason why I say that's amazing is because he hit five home runs in that game. Um, and uh, Higashioka did pinch hit, so maybe he wanted to catch, but that was probably later on in the game. Here's some interesting stats. With Jose Trevino as the Yankee catcher for Garrett Cole, 14 games this year, Garrett Cole has a 2.74 ERA. And in those 14 games, 88 and two-thirds innings pitched, Garrett Cole has allowed uh, 12 home runs. He has struck out 113 batters. Opponents have a 193 batting average and a 582 OPS against him. With Kyle Higashioka as the catcher for eight games this season, Garrett Cole has a 5.4 ERA, opponents batting 255 against him, a 766 OPS, and in... I guess, let's see, how many innings did Cole pitch uh, today? Because I'll update these stats as I do the math in my head real quick. Cole pitched six innings today. So let's make that 42 and two-thirds innings. He has allowed nine home runs. Nine home runs in eight games with Higashioka as the catcher. 12 home runs in 14 games with Trevino as the catcher, and five of those home runs came in that one game against the Minnesota Twins. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. A 5.4 ERA with one catcher, a 2.74 ERA with another catcher. When it comes to handicapping the Yankees and Garrett Cole, if you see Kigashioka as the catcher, maybe you bet against the Yankees that day or take the over. If you see Trevino, well, then you're okay, and you'll see uh, Garrett Cole pitch like Garrett Cole should pitch. But that was kind of crazy, and the Mariners definitely sent the message. Uh, Seattle uh, looking good 
And, you know, you look at the standings right now. They are currently your second wild card in the American League. They're one game up on Tampa, two games up on the Guardians, uh, two and a half on the Orioles, and I guess three on the White Sox, four on the Red Sox. That is your race for the American League wild cards right now, or the three wild cards in the American League. The Blue Jays are your first wild card, then the Mariners, then the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Elsewhere across Major League Baseball here on Wednesday, the Mets continue to succeed after a loss. They are the best team in Major League Baseball after a loss. Not only are they, um, the record is incredible after a loss, as a favorite after a loss, the record's even better. So the Mets this season after a loss, have a league best record of 29-9. and But as a favorite after a loss, which is what they were here against the Washington Nationals, the Mets are 22-2. and Think about that for a second. 22-2 and as a favorite after a loss. The Mets also... And I tweeted this out because the Mets minus one and a half was the play of the day today for us. They're 13 and three now in rubber games of series. So when they split the first two games of a series, game three, the rubber game, the Mets are 13 and three this season. The Mets have either won or tied each of their 14 series this season against divisional opponents. That is the third longest streak by a team to start the season since the Major League Baseball implemented divisions in 1969. It's the longest streak since the Braves went 16 straight to start the 99 season. That according to ESPN stats and information. So 14 straight, they've either won or tied. They have not lost a series and that goes into the, uh, the, the the stat right there that I just gave you, that they are 13-3 and three in the rubber game of series this season. Mets' uh, Dan Vogelbach hit a grand slam, his first home run as a member of the Mets. They uh, jumped out to a 9-0 lead, and then the Nationals scored five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Mets win 9-5. to five. They still cover the run and a half or the two and a half depending if you went that way. The Mets now begin a key series against the Braves, but I'll tell you what, the pitching matchup lines up in their favor somewhat. Uh, You got, actually, I guess we'll see what happens here, but um, you got Carrasco going up against Kyle Wright here on Thursday. Taiwan Walker against Ian Anderson on Friday. On Saturday, uh, it's a doubleheader. On Saturday, Max Scherzer against uh, Max Fried in the first game. Jake Odorizzi scheduled to make his first start for the Braves in game two. The Mets have not announced the pitcher yet. And then on Sunday, Jacob DeGrom will make his second start against uh, Spencer Strider. So that should be a tremendous matchup there on Sunday. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
a guarantee. What? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare <laughs>